Hey, Mike. How about them Cowboys? Oh, big dub for your boys. Big dub for your boys. Congratulations, the Cowboys. Just absolute beatdown on Brady and the Bucks, and they're gone. And uh, hopefully the Toronto Maple Leafs can do some similar things to a fellow Floridian team that's going to be in Toronto tonight. We'll help tee up the Leafs and Panthers game. We also got an update on Nick Robertson and his injury status. It's not great. We'll share that news. And a very ugly situation in Vancouver. We'll also uh, discuss that and what's going on there. So all that more coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the January 17th edition of the Locked on Lease podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morsuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked on Lease is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can also catch us up on YouTube. Just search up Lockdown Lease on YouTube. Hit subscribe and get new Leafs content each and every day. If you are a member of Leafs Nation, you got to be a member of the Lockdown Leafs family. You can also check out our Discord as well, which will be down in the description below. Dave, what would make you what what makes you happier? A, a victory for the doubt? Well, that's actually a stupid question. I'm assuming a playoff victory would make you happier than uh, than a Leafs regular season Tuesday night win in January. But what would make you happier, a Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl or a Toronto Maple Leafs Stanley Cup? I'll have to go with the Leafs Stanley Cup, mainly because I've been a Leafs fan longer than I've been a Cowboys fan. Okay. And I've had more. It's funny because I'm trying to figure out which team has given me more heartbreak over the years. Yeah. I think the Leafs. I think the Leafs take the cake just because the they're Cowboys, like the same team, though. Like all yeah. the public team, right? The the most public team in their sport always have sky high, you know, expectations and aspirations, and come up short every year. Yeah, every I, I really know how to pick them, don't I? Well, you know, I mean, I'm a Colts fan, so clearly I don't really know how to pick them either. That team was absolute. Dog yeah, at least you've seen a title win in your in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, once I saw one title win way back in 2006. I was barely even a fan at the time. I just happened to like Peyton Manning, and they went on to to win a Super Bowl like the year after. I said I'm gonna stick myself with that team, and they won a Super Bowl, and then they've been putrid ever since he left. Well, that's not true. There's a couple good years with Andrew Luck, but we know how that uh, turned out. But um, yeah, I, I just think that it's uh, it's it's funny how very similar those two organizations are, like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Dallas Cowboys. They're essentially the exact same team, but like for their respective sports. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because when I was I I main reason why I was became a Cowboys fan is because my cousin is a mm. diehard Cowboys fan, and his older brother, my other cousin, is a Pat. It's a Pats fan, Patriots fan. So my brother became a Cowboys fan. Uh, yeah. 
So I've had to listen to the Patriots crowd. So I stuck with my cousin, became a Cowboys fan. I became a Cowboys fan not the year that Romo had the famous field goal fumble, no botched snap fumble in the playoffs against the Seahawks, the year before that. What so, year was that? Like 2000? Uh, I would say about 2005. Around that time was probably okay. where I Because oh, like, With uh, what's his nuts who's run the football? Sean Alexander run the football for the Seahawks back, yep, the, back in the back day. In the day. He won MVP that year, if I'm not mistaken. I, I around that time, yeah, yeah he, was, right. he was that good. He was that good. Um, all right, enough with the football talk. We got a bunch to get into today, so why don't we? Uh, why don't we actually start off with the Nick Robertson news, and then we'll tee up the the Leafs and the Panthers game in a little bit here. But this is probably the more pressing information. Um, Leafs PR tweeted out today and put out a press release. That Nick Robertson is uh, underwent shoulder surgery and will be out for six months, which uh, ended his season. So it's season-ending surgery, and this is just such a heartbreaker, man. Like this kid, honestly, his career just hasn't been able to get started because of either COVID or the injury bug has hit this kid so much. I went and I looked and I counted how many games has he played since the COVID stoppage of March, 2020. Did you see the stat by chance? I did not see the okay. stat. I, 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 was, I wasn't curious if you saw my tweet or not. How many games do you think he has played? Like it, we're approaching. Are we talking? March of 2020. Like this is almost three full years. We're two months shy of three full years. How many total games do you think he's played? Junior. NHL, Man. AHL, playoffs, total games. How many do you think? Man, I'm going to go with something like like 90? Close. Very close. 86 games. Just 86 games he's been limited to. And that's total across every single league, amateur, professional, whatever, out there since March of 2020. Um, it's really unfortunate, man, because – there was such high expectations for him because he was having that unbelievable season in junior, um, his you know his final year there um, when he was a member of the Peterborough Peets, ended up with what like fifty six goals that year, and was just gonna like everybody had Nick Robertson as as a drafted steal at that point. And he just hasn't been able to replicate that in the NHL, you know, and 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 then the injury bug has really hit him the last couple of seasons. Had a foot injury last year. Um, now he's got the shoulder injury. Um, it's really unfortunate for someone who the Leafs looked at and said, hey, he could be an internal option for this top six problem that we that we consistently have had and had to filter guys in through the last few years. And now he's not an option at all, at least for this season. Yeah, it's that's the unfortunate part is that, you know, it's the rest of the season he's – uh, it, it's just really tough because when the news came out, it didn't sound good. And they're like, we're going to try to rehab it. Generally, when you say we're going to try to rehab it, especially an injury like that, it's so tough to just try to rehab a shoulder injury like that. And so I'm glad they made the decision now because then, you know, you never want to go through that, but at least it puts them in line to be ready for the start of the no, next season. 
Yeah. If they waited and waited and waited and then decided, oh, you know what? It's just not happening. Let's get the surgery. It would further delay his potential, you know, going forward in terms of being ready for next season. So it is really, really unfortunate because I think that's the biggest issue when it comes to developing players that if they're not on the ice, like this is almost like Connor Timmons in a way. Yeah. Connor Timmons, it took him how long? become now you know a guy that you can have in an nhl lineup he was drafted in 2017 right and so it's taken him almost this whole time and that's because of injuries right so um kind of a maybe not an exactly same situation but something comparable so it yeah. just proves that you just need to get the guy playing it in a rhythm in order for him to sort of you know develop the skills you need him to develop right the scoring you know the you know the things that they exact things they want him to do so yeah just a really really tough uh situation for him yeah and i mean he's only 21 years old um so there's still time for him to clearly develop into a really good player like there's there's been countless examples of guys who've been hurt early in their career and then once they finally i don't know get the malocchio off of them um, they go on to have fine careers. I mean, somebody pointed out, I think in our discord earlier that Phil Kessel's career started out kind of injury laden. And then once he got to Toronto, literally has never missed a game. And he's been the NHL's Iron Man ever since. So, um, you know, this, this happens sometimes there, the injury bug hits you, um, at the weirdest times happens to be right at Nick Robertson's start of his career. The only thing that I think is like, at 19, 20, 21 years old, like these are prime development years. And, and you know, that's been greatly impacted with all the stoppages that he's had in his career. That That's the only thing that, that I worry about is how much you grow in these, these ages um, and these early stages in, in, you know, a young career. And he's missing out on, on all that development time. That, that to me is the biggest uh, hurdle that he now is going to have to overcome. Um, but, you know, next season he's going to hope to try and have another healthy one. It's it's unfortunate because I, I actually, like, spoke to him. Uh, Leafs lunch, we went down to the Ford Performance Center this year at the beginning of the season, and we sat down and chatted with Nick Robertson, and, and, and you know, we asked him, like, what's your goal and aspirations this season? He said, stay healthy. Like, I haven't been able to, to stay healthy yet, and, you know, I feel like that's kind of impacted me. If I could just have a healthy season, play a full 82, or play a full healthy slate of games at the very least – um, you know, that'd be considered a successful campaign and it didn't even last the calendar, the remainder of the calendar year. Like the guy got hurt back in November and we haven't seen him since. So, uh, and we won't see him also. So it really, really ended his season. We play 15 games, maybe dozen games, uh, this year. So didn't get into a whole lot and that's it, uh, for his 22, 23 campaign. We'll have to get things kickstarted again, 23, 24. Um, I'm curious though, Dave, if you think this could have any impact on the trade deadline, like, I wonder if they were hoping he could come back or at least show signs that he's ready to get back. If they were able to successfully rehab that shoulder, would he have been a piece that the Leafs could have tried to dangle at the deadline to bring in, you know, one of these, uh, one of these targets that they have. And now I'm not too sure he's a wanted commodity around the NHL, especially with this surgery now. Well, I think the injury at the time probably put a little bit of cause for concern, right? Because teams, first off, he has to complete a physical 
in in some cases teams will put require a physical for some players to be traded or be a part of the deal. So I, I guarantee teams would have been concerned about that if that was uh you know they would have looked into the medicals there. But yeah, that that's that's a tough situation because I think the Leafs would have preferred to have kept Nick Robertson Hobie be a part of the solution. Obviously, if there's a deal that makes sense and it's tough to pass up, you're not gonna pass it up. But um, yeah, that I wasn't really thinking too much about the trade, like him being moved at the trade deadline for this reason because he hasn't played a lot. His value was somewhat diminished, you know, already. But because- don't you think maybe, like, I mean, at some point you got to cut your losses, and, and in the same way that um, Arizona did with Connor Timmins, I mean, and maybe some, you know, the kid just needs to change the scenery. Like, things just, the, the Malocchio's in here, like, in Toronto right now. Maybe if he goes elsewhere, things could change. You know what I mean? Like, I, again, I'm not 100% sure if, if if that was in the plan or in the cards at all anyway, if Toronto would have looked to, to move him, but... I would think he would have been on the table, you know, like he probably would have been a decent trade chip or asset if he hadn't got injured. And if at least, you know, this update was positive and not negative where he went from, oh, he's rehabbing well, you know, we might see him on the ice in the next few weeks. And all of a sudden it's actually, oh, the rehab didn't take. Uh, We're actually going to have to undergo surgery and he's going to be up for the year. Like that's, that's, that's a big difference. And to, to me makes him from a, an asset and a commodity to, well, not much of anything. I don't know. We'll, we'll I guess we'll see what, uh, what comes of it, but maybe even in the summer, just a, a change of scenery, maybe like a trade for another guy in a similar situation. Who knows what the, what the situation is there. Um, but that's the update on Nick Robertson out for the season with shoulder surgery. Uh, really unfortunate for him. Uh, all right. On the other side, Dave, you and I are going to tee up the Leafs and Panthers game tonight. Uh, Florida coming off of a loss or a win yesterday in Buffalo. So there'll be a night two of a back-to-back. So could that be in Toronto's favor? We'll discuss that on the other side. Uh, but before we get into all that, let me tell you guys about Bet Online. It's your number one source for sports betting info stats. News and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college basketball, the NBA, and of course, the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. We're always the fast and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morisuti. With me, um, Dave, you wrote a piece today for sportsnet.ca about the Vancouver Canucks situation. Uh, we're not going to get into it right now, but after uh, our next break, I, I do want to ask you about that. So make sure you stay tuned because Dave uh, wrote a really good piece that that got a lot of traction on, on sportsnet.ca, and he can detail what's going on there, and then we could decide – can Toronto capitalize on the situation in uh, in Vancouver? So we'll have that discussion in about 10 minutes or so. But let's tee up tonight's game because Leafs, uh, they've been off for a couple of days, coming away from the Boston loss. Uh, it was a good, hard-fought effort, but ultimately dropping the full two points um, late in that game to the Bruins. But now they got the Panthers coming in on night two of a back-to-back. They just beat the Buffalo Sabres. Um, it was an afternoon game yesterday, so I guess there's a little bit more time that they have to rest and get themselves 
you know, into Toronto, probably got in here late, uh, or actually they probably got in like around dinner time last night, maybe a little bit after eight, nine, but definitely were, uh, you know, late enough to be able to, uh, watch the, watch Tom Brady get eliminated from the playoffs and comfortably. I think we could at least say that, um, but there are night two of a back-to-back and, and recently it's been Toronto. That's been on the other end of those where they last week, they had one against Detroit and then Philly, and then this week they had another one against uh, Nashville and Detroit again. So uh, Toronto, I guess, getting the beneficiary of taking on the tired team this time around. And this has been a a, a a really fun series the last couple of years that these two teams have met. Like I went back and I was just looking to see. I was like, what happened last year? I kind of forget what happened. And, and I don't know how I could forget because there's that one 7-6 insane game that went to overtime. And then like two weeks later, they met again and went to overtime again. And then even before that, like in, they played three times in like less than a month to end the year. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and then even before that, before the COVID shutdown, you know, five, three games, five, three, eight, four, seven, five. Like these are all insanely high scoring, high octane, high flying games. Um, but Florida's coming off uh, a second night, uh, uh, coming off a, a game last night, so it's their second night of the back-to-back. You got Toronto, who's you know trying to get back into the win column after a loss to Boston. Um, what are you anticipating at tonight's matchup? Well, I first thing is I hear that the Leafs have been dealing with a little bit of a flu bug. Yeah, yes, they have been. Um, Holmberg, uh, Pontus Holmberg, and Rasmus Sandin were not – at practice today uh, or yesterday rather, and they will be taking part in morning skate potentially, but will be game time decisions. So both Pontus Holmberg and Rasmus Sandin will be game time decisions in this one. Yeah. So that's one thing to kind of keep an eye out there. And like Florida, if you've been watching, I've watched a few of their games. The one game I watched was last week against the Colorado avalanche. Mm. Where they had a 4-1 lead. It oh, they pretty much almost blew it because Colorado tied it, but then the goal was waved off. They've won that game 5-4. This is a team that you know went through they, there's significant changes from what happened last year. New coach. Like half the time I have to remember that Paul Maurice is the head coach of the Florida Panthers. Yeah. Um their blue line has been gutted. We we touched on the, a lot of this as in our uh you know or preview coming into the season. And a lot of the issues that I feel like you and I brought up have kind of come to fruition in a way for Florida. Like they're, they're just not living up to the expectation because it's just not the same team. So no. I'm, I'm still expecting a tough game for these Panthers are still making it difficult on, on their opponents. They're not exactly an easy, easy win yeah. against Matthew yeah. Has been as advertised for them, you know. He, but the issue is, is below Matthew Kachuk. Like Barkov has been good. He has been injured, so he's kind of he's been kind of in and out. But there really hasn't been much support underneath Matthew Kachuk that Florida was getting in in you know last year. With you had Huberto, you had Barkov. Berhagi's still doing pretty good. He has twenty goals in forty four games. Mm-hmm. He was, He's not at the point per game player he was last year. So there's a lot of things that maybe I thought Florida felt like 
did so well for them, it was hard to see that being sustainable. And then the goaltending, right? That's just been a nightmare. Neither goaltender is is above a .910 save percentage. Spencer Knight's been the better of the two. Yeah, and Spencer Knight's not playing tomorrow. <laughs> it's probably going to be Alex Lyon, uh, Leon. I don't really know exactly how to pronounce it. Yeah. Leon, yeah, I think so too. Um, he's the likely starter with Bobrovsky playing the game against Buffalo yesterday. So unless they go back-to-back with Bobrovsky, which, I mean, they could, I suppose. But even then, he's not been a – he has not been good uh, either. And if you look at, like, the home and road splits, it's kind of even worse. Like, Bobrovsky, 888 goaltender with a 5-9 and nine record on the road this year. So he hasn't been very good. Um so it really doesn't matter who they're going to get uh, in that, really. I, I think that the least, you know, probably should still be able to put Bucks past whoever is uh, is in goal for them. But, you know, I, I just, when I look at the Panthers, to your point, a lot of the issues that we noted at the beginning of the season really are still very much glaring. Like, they have a problem defending, they have a problem stopping Pucks, and... They're having a tough time adjusting to the new coaching staff. That said, it seems as though they're starting to figure some things out, though. Because you look at their last seven games, yes. They've won five of the last seven games. And it seems like they're kind of keeping the puck out of the net a little bit more. Um, Their special teams are, are, are starting to get hot. Like Their power play has been really, really good. Um, of late so it, it really seems like they're starting to maybe figure some things out here which is not the time i guess you want to be be taken on the florida panthers but they've won a couple in a row here and, and like i said they've won five of their last uh seven games so yes i believe that it'll be it should be a hard fought match a hard fought game and uh but ultimately toronto's got to respond and just continue to play the way they played on saturday like we, we talked about it they didn't they didn't play poorly on Saturday. They played well. They lost to the better team because they made, you know, that extra one or two mistakes that Boston didn't make, and that was the difference in the hockey game. You know, you you now make sure that you make Florida make those one or two extra mistakes against you, and then you capitalize on that. Like, that's what I'd be thinking if I was the Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't just because you lost that game against Boston doesn't mean that there weren't good things to take out of it. I think Sheldon Keefe is usually pretty good at pointing out the good in the loss. So I'm confident they'll be able to keep that going. Um, it's just with Florida, you know, in a Paul Marie system, it's it's always about having total buy-in from the team. So the Leafs are going to have to watch out for, you know, systemic defensive, you know, plays to try to slow them down. Right, that that's what Florida's gonna try to do. They're gonna try to slow them down, you know, in ways that's gonna try to frustrate them. Because well, really, I, I got a question for you. Let's say in the first period, uh, they do slow them down. They do a good job of of doing that. How quick to the trigger do you think Keith will be to put Matthews and Marner back together again, like he did Saturday night? You think where it's like one period, if it doesn't go well. All right, let's get these guys back together and get some jump. Do you think they get to the third period before they do something? I mean, 
how do you think? You think maybe now after seeing the success on Saturday that Keith says maybe he's itching to get these two back together to make some magic just a little bit more after Saturday night's goal? Maybe appear to have, but it has to be like really bad. Like if they're not generating chances, like either line, then you can see it. But you know, I, I it has to be like dire. I think it'd have to be more of like a dire situation for the Leafs to consider making that change. I mean, it's possible. We saw it. So I don't think Keith is totally against doing it. It's just that's a that's a bullet in the chimney you want to save for when things really need a shakeup. Yeah. Uh, really quickly before we get to the three keys, the lineup uh, at practice yesterday and the expected lineup, um, depending on Holmberg and Sandine's status, who were out of practice with illness, bunting with Matthews and Nylander, Yarncroft with Tavares and Marner, so no change there. Bobby McMahon returns from being ill on Saturday on the third line with David Camp and Pierre Engvall, and then Zach Aston Reese, Kerfoot, and then uh, both Hunt and Simmons kind of played alongside each other on the on the fourth line there. And then defensively, you had Riley and Timothy Lilligren as your top pair, Giordano and Justin Hall, and then Jordy Ben in the lineup with Connor Timmons with uh, Rasmus Sandin absent due to that illness. So um, we'll see what, uh, what, what happens with Holmberg and Sandin tomorrow. But if that's the case, you know, Ben gets back into the lineup. We'll see what he's got. And, um, you know, Bobby McMahon's going to get back into the lineup too. And I've really liked what I've seen out of him so far. So hopefully he can continue it uh, tomorrow against a, a division rival. And um, no starter was announced yesterday. So I guess we'll have to wait for morning skate and see. Uh, well, I guess if, if Murray's not at morning skate, typically it means he's going to start. Uh, and then, so I guess we'll we'll find out. Check check Twitter to see who the starter for the Leafs is going to be. But it'll be, it's most likely to be Alex Leon for the Florida Panthers, who has yet to play in a game this season. So um, if we're talking about bets and like on Bet Online, I think I'm taking some overs uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this game. Uh, to be quite honest with you. All right, Dave. Um, really quickly, give me uh, give me a couple of keys to the game for Toronto before we chat a little bit about the situation in Vancouver. See a nice bounce back from the blue line, right? Let's Ooh. see. Them, no, limit those mistakes. Morgan Riley. I don't know if you heard what Keith had said about Riley. That Riley is still trying to work. Th- he's not a hundred percent body and mind. I think is the quote that I had saw from Sheldon Keith today. Like he's wearing a brace, which I know is very uncomfortable when you're. Um, when you're coming back from knee injury, but I also found it curious that now Lily Grin is with Riley. I, I, I've, I've been calling for it. I said that that would be a good pairing to do. Um, I'm just, I'm curious, like, is this because of the Rasmus Sandin injury more so, or is that more so just they needed to change something there, which I think it was likely the second option of you can't have Connor Timmons and Morgan Riley back out there again together. Yeah, I, I think that Lilligram is probably going to be the man anyways, and and, and then we'll see Sandine and Timmons. If Sandine is, is good to go on that one, that would be my thought, or my original thought. Uh, we'll see. But I think Riley, he's got to step up. He's got he's to start playing to the capabilities of Morgan Riley. Um, I don't know what that comment means. You know, he's not a mind and body uh, I really don't know what that's supposed to mean, but uh, he's got to play like the $8 million man that he's 
being paid to be. Uh, if not, things are only going to grow louder in Leafs Nation and the play of, uh, of Morgan Riley, which really hasn't been great. Uh, hasn't even been good of late. Only one point at five on five since he's returned. So it's not even that he's getting it done offensively either. So he's let fishing pucks out of the back of the net consistently, but also not contributing really much of anything offensively either. Um, not great. Not great for a guy making eight million bucks. Uh, so I expect for him to have to bounce back too. Uh, my other thing is like, don't, don't give in to Kachuk's antics. Yeah, let's not have that. All right. So like Michael Bunting, I'm looking at you, Mr. Bunts. You're already the bad guy, like on the bad guy list for officials. They already don't like you and are just not calling anything for you and maybe have an extra eye on you. Like, just don't even give him the light of day. Let him chirp. Let him do whatever. Don't cross the line and take a stupid penalty. That's going to hurt this team. Just don't let Kachuk get in your head. That's, that's another one that I, I do. I certainly do want to say, because also they're, like I said, their power play has been really good of late. So, you know, you don't want to let them uh, get them on the man advantage and have them succeed there. And, and, and um, you know, that's just an easy way for them to get goals. All right. We'll take one more quick break. Uh, when we get back, Dave, you wrote about what's going on in Vancouver on sportsnet.ca. You can tell us the highlights from, uh, from that article and, and what's up and, you know, how, maybe how can the Leafs take advantage of, that uh, treacherous situation, that and more coming up on the other side. But first, how about a word from uh, Athletic Greens, Dave? Yep, it's uh, a product I use every day. One scoop of AG1 gives you 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help start your day off right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. So why am I taking it? I'm somebody that's very simple. I wanted an all-in-one solution to help myself in many of the different areas I feel like I need to help benefit my lifestyle better, you know, especially considering all the late nights and early mornings. You got to help give your body a little bit of a boost, and AG1 definitely helps with that. And the great thing about AG1, it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it also contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial flavoring. Anything while taste, still tasting good supports better sleep quality and recovery. It also supports mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Thunder Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes, trusted by also by leading health experts. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. Got the Leafs and Panthers 
uh, playing tonight down at the Scotia Bank Arena. Um, there's been uh, look what's going on in Vancouver is not great on the ice, off ice. They've got some legal battles that they're dealing with. They've got some massive, massive injuries. I mean, there's just a lot going wrong for Vancouver right now um, to the point where Jim Rutherford, the president uh, of hockey operations, had to come out today and speak to everything that has been going on. They did a probe into the Tanner Pearson injury, which if you weren't, uh, if you didn't hear about it, he had a, suffered a broken hand earlier in the season. He was told that in about six weeks, you know, it should be good to go. And, uh, well, it wasn't handled properly, according to Quinn Hughes, and that forced uh, the team to kind of look into things because then they placed him on season-ending injuries because uh, then he had to go and get surgery again, um, which forced the Canucks to do some sort of probe into their uh, department. And so he came out to talk about that, but then took really questions on everything about this team and, uh, what their future is, what Bruce Boudreaux's future is, who's untouchable, who isn't, what's the this future of their captain, Bo Horvat, um, really answered a lot of things. And I would say it was very candid, like surprisingly mm-hmm. candid for uh, a person in his position. But uh, like I said earlier, you, you know, you listen to the press conference, you wrote about it on uh, sportsnet.ca. You could go read his piece there. Um, by Dave, uh, what were some of your big takeaways from what Jim Rutherford had to say today? Well, I mean, with the Tanner Pearson situation, something seems off about it. Like for, I mean, when Quinn Hughes made the comment, you knew something was off about the whole situation. And yeah, um, can, I, can I also remind you that uh, last year, apparently Jason Dickinson played the entire season with an undiagnosed, undetected broken hand also and only realized it when he had left Vancouver um which to me is is also a red flag so now you've got two hand injuries within a year and then I thought I heard something about there was also an injury with Brock Besser at yeah. one point that was mishandled yeah, a little bit. Injury as well yeah so there's some real funky stuff going on with the Canucks medical group. And then when you got players, Quinn Hughes, one of your pillars, one of your core guys saying things weren't handled correctly. It does make your ears perk up a little bit. And Jimmy Rutherford had to kind of speak to all this today. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, with, with the Tanner Pierce and stuff, they couldn't get into a whole lot because there's a lot of personal private information, privacy laws that kind of protect that situation so i knew you weren't going to get too much info into the actual injury itself but then he started talking about everything else and i give jim rutherford a lot of credit for standing in there and taking the bullets that are come from left right and center at one point a media member was reading comments from a season ticket holder wow and i credit jim rutherford for his response because i would have been like um, this isn't the customer complaint department. This is you know, a chance. But it kind of is. He's the president of the team. Yes. It kind of is, right? Like, it starts up at the top. You know, the Aquilini's not going to talk. So no. he's the next man in charge. Like, it kind of is up to him to, you know, hear, listen to the people. And you know what I mean? Like, it kind of is up to him. 
I don't know. I just didn't like that it was brought up during the press conference like that. I think it's something that could have been done in a different form, but that that's not the problem. The, like he, the first issue I had with everything he was saying was the Bruce Boudreaux asking him about, you know, they're like, we're hearing that you're having talks with coaches about, you have like already have a replacement in line. And we've already heard Rick talk its name. Like when you hear a specific name from multiple media outlets, it's just like you're doing a really terrible job of keeping this thing lid tight. And I feel so sorry for Bruce Boudreaux that he has to costly deal with this. And the fact that Jim Rutherford, he didn't pour cold water over it. He just said, Bruce is our coach right now, which, I mean, that's just brutal saying, like brutal to say, but it's the truth. My understanding is Rick Tockett can't get out of his contract with TNT for another like few weeks. So this is why they haven't made the move yet because Tockett needed to give TNT notice for some reason. He had some fulfillments that he had to make with them on some of the broadcasts before he could leave for other coaching ventures. And that's the situation that they're in. So Bruce is their coach now until Tockett is free and able to coach is, is basically how everybody who believes in this report. And like you said, when it's coming from multiple people, I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, yeah. He basically said that. Yeah. He's our coach right now. And he also said he'd been talking to people for like the last year. Potential candidates for the last year. Unbelievable. Like, and I give Bruce Bruger a lot of credit for staying as professional as he has throughout all this. Yeah. Like, what I reason does that. he? He's also Bruce Bruger is also thinking about his future in coaching, right? You don't want you know some other team to realize, hey, when things go wrong, he's gonna kind of turn his back on the Dude. team. You don't want that. Dude. Do you think that he's gonna get another coaching gig after this? Like, I don't know, man. I got all talky and and they recycle the same guys, but the problem here that everyone's everybody keeps saying it's like there's no structure with Bruce Boudreaux. I think in today's modern NHL game, there needs to be structure. And if he's not gonna adapt, like I don't know if if he's going to be able to get another job here as a head coach in the National Hockey League. I just don't, I don't know. After this performance that the Canucks have have put on, I don't know. Well, that's fair, and I, I mean, I, opinions change all the time. But I mean, I didn't think the Vancouver Canucks were going to hire Bruce Boudreau in the first place when they let Travis Green go. Bruce, but, there it is. Bruce, yeah, there it is. Very quickly, but I think the other one is, and like word choicing with Jim Rutherford. He said, "When I came in here, we were expecting to do minor surgery." Now we got to do major surgery. I'm like, you literally were just talking about a player who had multiple surgeries, and this is the word choice you can use. Wow. But I, I think that there's realizations that things aren't going right, but the team is kind of stuck in that middle. They're they're not good enough to be in the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to tank completely. I mean, they're in a way tanking, but they're not tanking at the level of the Canadians, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes. Well, they can't. They actually have some talent on that team, unlike those teams that have exactly. no talent. But and that I, wasn't by accident. Like, you know, the the Canadians are a different story. But 
like the Blackhawks and and the Coyotes especially, like those teams are purposefully yes made sure that their rosters were complete garbage so that they lost as many games as possible. It's not the case for Vancouver. And it's because I mean they have a decent roster. Like they're 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 where the Leafs were at in like Right, like before they decided to kind of tear things down, right? Like the 2010 to the 2014 Leafs, right? Outside looking in, you know, they were in the playoff hunt for a bit and then they weren't. And they always finished, you know, ninth or 10th, 11th in the conference on the outside looking in and, and, and didn't make the playoffs, but never quite got a high enough draft pick to, to get a difference maker until they finally bottomed out, got Mitch with a top four pick, and then got Matthews with the number one pick the year after. That was when they finally turned things around. Yeah, with, with Vancouver, they thought they did that when they got, you know, he started with Bo Horvat, you know, Patterson, Hughes. Dude, Bo Horvat was back in 2013. Like, that was almost 10 years ago he drafted Bo Horvat. Yeah, but he was still an integral part of the team, right? Like, he's, he's one of those guys they were trying to build around. He's... Very much like a he's like the Morgan Raleigh of their team in a way, right? Like he's a guy from that past that they were trying to they believe was good enough to stay yeah, with the captain. That too. Well, they made him a cap. They made the cat him the captain last year or the year before that. Uh, a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, because like when when I see Van, like with Vancouver, Jim Rutherford's like we expected that we thought maybe we could be able to move out contracts to get con. No contract space, <clears throat> cap space, and I'm like. But then you go out and you sign, you know, JT Miller to that deal. I understand why they did it because they don't want to lose JT Miller, but he's saying, and Rutherford's like, "Well, that contract's not the problem." I'm like, kind of, <laughs> sorry, kind of is the problem. So, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though: you, you weren't going to lose JT Miller. You had a whole another year. Like they signed him. This past summer, there was still a full year left on that deal, and they could have traded him at the deadline as a rental. You're going to tell me that nobody would want would have wanted a uh, a JT Miller at at five two five. We heard like the Rangers were interested. We're still interested potentially. Like you may have to take something back now, just to make the money work. Not that it has to be like a and that's the problem contract, but. They expected to be able to just throw away contracts for nothing. Like when they moved the, what's the, who did they get when they sent uh, to Arizona to get all of them? Oh, players? God. So they moved Louis Erickson. Erickson. Yeah, Louis Erickson. It was also, they, uh, who's the fourth line center there for a while? Oh, Beagle. Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, and I think there was one other guy. Who's involved? It was like three or four of their bad contracts that they had gotten that they were just getting rid of. They just wanted to take those bad contracts and turn the bad money into good money by bringing in OEL and then re signing Connor Garland. But all they did was actually put themselves in way bigger of a pickle because all of those players that they had traded away had one year left on their contracts till they hit unrestricted free agency. And instead, they brought in an over the hill OEL who had many years left on his deal. I think he still has like four years after this one left on that contract. Lately. He was, yeah, he was just healthy scratched. I mean, 
I don't know why he was healthy scratch. He definitely should not have been. But no. anyways, team's in a major dysfunction, so makes sense. Connor Garland, who's been pretty disappointing for a guy who's making basically five sheets. I don't think he's hit the double-digit goal mark yet this season. I mean, the, the thing is, like, the, that move, and they gave up a first-round pick, I believe, which turned into Dylan Gunther. So, like, that move was awful, awful, awful for the Vancouver Canucks. I said that at the time, and obviously it proved to be true. Um, and I think it just set them back in their cap structure. And at the time, I remember looking at that being like, these guys are idiots. Like, going forward, they needed that cap space to sign Brock Besser long-term, Patterson, Hughes, Bo Horvat, and all of a sudden now they just pissed away that cap space with Oliver Ekman-Larsen and, uh, and, and Connor Garland, and then they went and they made the move to bring in JT Miller. The, the the best part of the story and what I wrote, one of the things I wrote about was Bo Horvat. Yeah. They're basically saying like we gave Bo Horvat a fair deal for what he has done up until this point. And then he just decided to be a, become a better player. And now we can't afford him. First off, like that deal should have been taken care of. If he, if he was so important to the Canucks, that deal should not have gone to this point, right? Where you're not well, able to sign him. I'm pretty sure if they would have offered him JT Miller's deal in the summer, he would have signed it. Yeah. And now he wants he wants more than JT Miller because he's on pace for 57 goals, which I guess makes sense. Like if they're not going to give it to you, and I think no one else will give it to him. Last I heard, they're looking to give him like sub six. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to hit the open market and make way more than that. Way more than that. Like, he's still pretty young. Yeah. So, he's 26, 27 years old. Like, he's still a, he, a pretty he's young guy. one of the top free agents to hit the market because of the position he plays. He's a centerman. A so, good centerman. And now one that, you know what? Can this be something to expect where he scores a lot of goals? Which so, I don't know. The, the last the last quote that also kind of uh, piqued my interest was him talking about how uh, the core won't be remaining. Like, what do you say about the core? The core won't be the same. It won't be. It won't be the same core. Like, not every player in this core will be around. Yeah. So, so. basically, he is saying, like, I'm looking at a Brock Besser. I don't see Brock Besser sticking around because they probably won't be able to afford him, just like they couldn't afford both. He's got, he's got two years left on his contract. Like he's somebody who actually has term, but they could get something for him. So if they're actually going to try and tank or try and lose games just based on not fielding a good enough roster, like you might be able to get something for for Brock Besser. You're going to get something big, I would think, for Bo Horvat. But how much more do you think they go? Like, is there anybody from a lease perspective? Like if Kyle Dubas calls up Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine and says, hey, you're looking to make moves, you're looking to make deals, we can help you, what would you be calling to ask for if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs from the Vancouver Canucks? I mean, I remember when you were away on vacation, I because there was some rumbling that the Leafs had looked in on Bor Horvat, and I said, I mean, it's purely a rental because there's no way the Leafs are going to be able to afford Bor Horvat past this year but he's the type of player where he elevates your team and can help but will the cost make sense 
Um, other than than Horvat, like, uh, it, it's really tough. Like, I remember one person I brought up one one point Connor Garland, but that's when Connor Garland was still half decent. So I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, he's got eight goals in forty two games this year at. Like he's making four point nine five, so basically five million. I mean, I, mean, I know he's putting up like he's putting like pure numbers here, pure Engvall numbers, and he's getting paid like twice the amount that Pierre Engvall is being paid. So yeah, like I know a lot of Lee fans have looked at Luke Shen. Everyone want seems to want Luke Shen. Yeah, well, NHL's hit leader. Guy's got two hundred and three hits this year. Whew. seventy blocks. The problem is, like, I mean, I assume, like, where does he fit in this lineup? If you were to, if yeah. you were to bring in Luke Shen, you know, like, he's a depth depth add. Or if you're looking to maybe, if an injury happens, or if you need someone with a little more meat and potatoes, you're bringing in Luke Shen. Like that's you're doing what Tampa did with him, which is he's not going to be our everyday guy. But if we need to make a change, insert Luke Shen. Like, that's essentially what it's going to be. But it's like, well, Connor Timmons is kind of that guy right now. Um, he's a different defenseman than Connor Timmons. It's just. That's the thing. Like, if you're looking to bring in a guy who is beefy, which I think the, the they do want to do in a way. Um, like, could you see Luke? Like, Luke Shan right now plays. Pretty sure he plays on a, on a pair with, with Quinn Hughes. And. Yes. He's, you know, Hughes is allowed to roam around and be the offensive dynamo that he is because he has faith that Luke Shen could be like, he's almost, you know, he's almost like playing the role of a TJ Brody for Morgan Riley. But if you can have Luke Shen, maybe he can come in and play with Riley and then have, you know, Brody play with um, Justin Hall. Right, and now you're thinking, okay, that's a decent, formidable top four with who has some beef and stockiness to him, and then you use your bigger asset to get that forward, that top six forward. Yeah. And what if a guy like Andre Kuzmenko is available, which he very well could be in Vancouver. Well, I did hear Kuzmenko like they are talking at contract extension, but why, I think would, the reason wanna, why would that man want to go back? <laughs> To Vancouver. I mean, the, the, it's, it's been an absolute tire fire over there. Well, I think the reason why they're talking an extension is to see if they can actually get one done. Otherwise, you're out the door because if you're not coming back, we got to get something for you. Yeah, 38 points in 42 games. Got 17 goals. His first year in the NHL since coming over from um, Russia. But he's not even playing a whole lot, like 15.55 average ice time. Yeah. So if you look at his points per 60, like – I mean, he's got he's doing better than JT Miller is. Like they have the same amount of points in way less time, five minutes less time per game. Like that's that's insane. Um, I think it's just that speaks more to how productive Andre Kuzmenko has been, I guess. But uh, so that's that's something I think that is a player of interest for me, and the fact that he makes next to nothing also makes it way easier to get that cap space fit in there like i know that there's some cap open with with uh you know some ltir space but that would be the guy that i think if i'm vancouver or if i'm toronto and i'm calling up vancouver i think andre kuzmenko is my main main target there that's that yeah. left winger who could provide offense score a little bit 
You know, he can play on your power play um, and really play at first or second line, but I guess preferably on the second line with Tavares and, and Mitch Marner. Like he plays right now with Elias Pettersson. It seems to be working out pretty well for him. So I think he could definitely play with a superstar like Matthews and Marner, right? Either or. Yeah. No, that would be my target. If I'm looking to, you know, extrapolate somebody from the Vancouver Canucks to all of this, I don't think I'm going after Boho Rx. I think that would be super expensive. And he's a UFA, and I still think I think it's going to be expensive to go get Bo Horvat. I think you go and you get the forward, the winger, provide you offense, uh, Andre Kuzmenko. That would be my main target, I think, from Vancouver Canucks. See, what I would also like to see is can the Leafs add, if they're going to add someone like that, can they add someone that's going to add a little bit more bite to that top six as well? Mm. Right. I brought up the mic. Like, you're looking for another Michael Bunting in a way, but – you know, that's that's what you're looking for. Something that's gonna help get under the skin of a team like Boston. Because that's what Boston has. They have a bunch of guys who don't give you a lot of they don't give they don't give you an inch. I think the Leafs do need a little bit of that. If Kuzmenko can can provide that, I don't necessarily mean you have to be a jerk on the ice, but be you know, make it difficult. And there's gonna be some guys out there. Uh, but yeah, I the other problem I have is if the Leafs don't get Bo Horvat, who's gonna get Bo Horvat? I've heard the Bruins could be that team, and if the Bruins add Bo Horvat, yikes! That's a yikes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's you can't play that way, you know. If you're if you're Toronto, I don't know if you can't play it that way. Where it's like we need to go big for for this player might not be the best fit for us, but we also don't want to play against him. I think you just got to play oh, your own game. Oh, that's what I mean. Like, if there's better fits out there, like if you can go out and you can get yourself like a Ryan O'Reilly or Andre Kuzmenko, um, and then, you know, maybe you address the back end with a, a bigger name blue line, you know, outside of Vancouver, like not Luke Shen, you go and you get, I don't know, like a name a blue liner that's out there right now. Gavrikov. Yeah, like a Gavrikov maybe, or, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want Klingberg. He's been playing pretty trash, actually. <laughs> Klingberg's been pretty bad this year. His contract is a is tough to add as well. Well, I'm assuming that they're going to retain some money on that. Like a name that I've always kind of been been big on as like a Morgan Riley um, partner is, is Connor Murphy. Like I brought him up on the show a few times out out in, in Chicago. Like if you could do a package deal, bring in like a Max Domi, a Connor Murphy, and then you also go and grab uh, like a Kuzmenko out of Vancouver. Now all of a sudden, like you, you've got a pretty deep squad here. You know, like you've got a pretty deep team, um, and that's more so. I think w- would be like a perfect deadline if you're the Vancouver Canucks. You mean the Leafs? Yeah. The Leafs. Sorry, yeah, the the Leafs. We've talked a lot about the Canucks here. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see if what 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 comes of it. It's a it's a fascinating situation out in vancouver it really really is i don't think i've seen more dysfunction from an organization on the ice and off the ice like i'm seeing here in vancouver right now it's pretty impressive not gonna lie it's pretty impressive it's 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 very impressive for all the wrong reasons um also player who i thought about remember i was talking about maybe moving 
a guy like uh, like Nick Robertson potentially as like a change of scenery type of move. Hoaglander for Robertson? Who says no? Hey, the Canucks said they want young NHL players. I mean, Hoaglander's also 21. Like, they're both the same age, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But both have kind of been underwhelming after being steals, you know, six months after their draft day. And now it's like, eh, okay, maybe they're maybe they're rightfully second round players. But that's the type of change of scenery deal I was thinking of, like a Hoaglander for uh, for Michael Bunting, but uh, or Michael Bunting, no, not for Michael Bunting, for Nick no. Robertson, Nicky Bobby, is uh, as as we like to call him. All right, buddy, let's uh, let's wrap her up there. Enjoy the game tonight, my friend. I think I'm going to go down to the game. I think I'll be in attendance up in press row. So uh, we will wrap it up here for today. That'll do it for us on the podcast. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morisuti. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We will recap Leafs and Panthers. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.